This podcast may contain content that is not suitable for listeners under the age of 18. If you are 17 or younger and wish to educate yourself about sex and relationships, you should visit scarletine.com. That's scarletine with one T. Hey, I'm Alicia, your non-monogamous relationship coach. Welcome to the podcast where my friends and I chat about our relationships, enthusiastic non-monogamy, polyamory, swinging, kink, and our lives. You'll get a candid peek into what makes it worth it to live life outside the box. And in case you're still wondering, nope, we're not monogamous. Hey, hey, hey. Today's episode is a little bit different. I'm bringing you a workshop that I did recently in my Facebook group, also called Nope, We're Not Monogamous. And in that workshop, I was chatting with Elizabeth Claire DeLune about boundaries and rules and agreements versus boundaries, uh, why we often don't develop a good sense for our boundaries, why safety is important for healthy relationships with yourself and with others, and, and how safety is built by utilizing boundaries and, and knowing them and expressing them. And I'm really, really excited to share this with all of you. Elizabeth Claire DeLune is a, um, a person who helps humans when they're in all the stage, stages of the divorce process. So navigating the dissolution, building resilience and a new identity afterwards, creating what's next after you've found your footing again. She's brilliant at a lot of different pieces of this, uh, how to harvest the lessons of high conflict and the difficult experiences so that you can move on with resiliency and offer your heart fully again. Uh, I'm so, so, so happy to have her here. If you enjoy the episode, be sure to leave a rating or a review. And also, if you don't know yet, we now have a Patreon where you can support the show as a listener, a neighbor, friends with benefits, one of our lovers. There's lots of different ways that you can get involved and support the show and also get some things for yourself like bonus content. You can hear sex tips from my guests. You can hear, I'm going to be adding some other stuff, some surprises, but also if you become a lover of Nope, We're Not Monogamous, you can get a monthly call with me. And that's pretty exciting. So go check it out at uh, www.patreon.com slash not monogamous. Enjoy the episode. Cool. Okay. I think I got everything going the way it's supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cool. All right. I've got Elizabeth here who is amazing. And we're going to talk about some things. Elizabeth, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, so I'm Elizabeth Claire DeLune, and I am a sex love relationship coach from the same program that Alicia did. Um, I specialize in working with divorce and trauma. And my niche, niche, super specialization is working with people who've been in narcissistic relationships and healing those wounds in particular and dealing with a lot of high conflict stuff. So that's really my, my exciting, exciting space. I like to say, you know, I love mess. If you got some mess to clean up, I'll, uh, I'll get in there with you. 
<laughs> That's fun. I love yeah. that. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. You um you have so much great experience and just so much knowledge and wisdom. And I'm super stoked that you are gonna share that with everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um I think what we're gonna do, we're just gonna chat and then like if people want to drop comments in the chat, feel free to do that either on the Facebook live or in the zoom. And then at some point we'll like answer questions. Sound right. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a conversation and then yeah. Answer questions. Sounds great. Cool. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. So, um, I don't know what you got on boundaries. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So yeah, Alicia and I were, were chatting because I really specialize in working with how to deal with boundaries with high conflict individuals. And I thought that that might be something that would be useful to bring, would be useful to bring to uh, this community, to the conversation. And it turned into a deeper conversation around boundaries in general and some uh, misconceptions that people have about them, what they are and what they aren't. And so we thought we could get into that a bit today and what might seem useful. We have a few kind of topics we want to dive through, but I also am really interested to hear what would be useful for everybody, you know, once we, once we dive in. Um, does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. So I wondered if we, we talked about one of the first things that came up was uh, the difference between rules or agreements and boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I would actually love to invite you to share here if you're up for it, because I feel like this is something that you deal with a lot. Yeah. And um, I think you have some great insight. So I think, um, especially in the realm of, yeah, in the realm of non-monogamy and relationships that don't look how we normally think they look in our, are supposed to look in our society with kind of conflated boundaries with agreements and rules, right? Like, like we kind of just use the same word around all those things, but they're totally different. And a thing that I often see is, um, you know, someone saying like, oh, well, my partner, my partner broke my boundaries. Like, okay, well, what, what is like, what happened? And well, they didn't call me before they were, when they were on their way home, because we have a rule that I have to know where they're at or whatever. Right. Uh, and, and so, and, and what winds up happening is they're talking about like these rules or these agreements that they put into place and they're using the word boundary, which makes it really hard to have clear communication when you aren't talking about the same things. Right. And it's also, like, I feel like the word boundary is almost like, it gives it the air of like, it's untouchable. Like, oh, you violated my boundary. And it creates like a, a sense of justification when in reality, it's a fundamentally a miscommunication, right? It's, it's a rule or it's an agreement and it's not a boundary. Yeah. So the difference, right? Like, like the difference of boundaries are the things that I put into place to protect myself. Like I will not have uh, unprotected sex with anybody except for, you know, this, these two people uh, or, or this one person, whatever. Right. Um, this is a thing that I put into place to protect myself. This is a boundary that, that I have. It is not, you won't have unprotected sex with somebody else. That's a rule. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you're, I think about boundaries sometimes like you have a bubble around you and 
it's permeable, right? Or like there's maybe just one doorway or one gate in your bubble around you. And you get to decide like what comes into the gate. You get to decide what doesn't come into the gate. And you get to decide what goes out of the gate from you and what doesn't go out of the gate from you, right? So it really is that container around yourself, decisions that you make for yourself so that you can thrive, be happy, um, feel fulfilled, have fun, be comfortable, feel secure, feel safe, all of those good things, right? But it's fundamentally just about you and your own energy. And it's not about you know managing or controlling another person's energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think we really dive into, we really start to turn to, you know, controlling behaviors when we don't have those good boundaries and we're not clear on what we need and what feels good to us. And when we're maybe not speaking our needs super directly, we're maybe not even in touch with our needs or maybe not even in touch with our boundaries. And it can feel easier and clearer to actually look at what someone else is doing and try to control what they're doing, right? Because me being able to say, there is something wrong with what that person did is less risky than me doing the work to say, I have this need, this vulnerable need, that I need to reveal. And I have this ask, which is, or this, this rule for myself. I have this agreement that I'm making with myself, this decision that I'm making with myself that I need to put forward. Because if I put that forward and then it's not a match for my partner or my partners, the situation that I'm in, right? Like that's risky too, because it might lead to, well, this isn't a match. This it could really lead to a relationship breakdown. It could really lead to something different, right? It could lead to something unknown. And so it's way, way riskier to do that deeper work of what are my needs? Can I mobilize to ask to get them met? Mm-hmm. And can I create the circumstances around me to protect those needs? And can I communicate surrounding surrounding that because again if it doesn't get honored then it feels way worse yeah yeah exactly i think that is that is exactly where one way the word breakdown is coming through but like that's where we like miss in creating boundaries is not even knowing what they are not even knowing what our needs are and not realizing until we're on the other side of it and going oh this feels bad maybe this is a thing that i should share that I should create a boundary around or create some sort of agreement around, but I didn't even know it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the key to that is the type of somatic work that I know we both do. We both mm-hmm. care about, right? Because our body knows somewhere we know, right. But along the way we gotten disconnected. We've been told whether family of origin, conditioning, stress response, trauma response, I'm, I'm not allowed to have that boundary. Mm-hmm. And so we have to reconnect to it again. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you say that. I always tell people, I tell my clients that we're basically doing some like brain and nervous system hacking 
right? <laughs> like, like that's how I picture somatic work. We're just doing like brain yeah. hacking. We're just gonna, we're gonna tease your brain into doing the thing that you're actually wanting to have happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 It can be so hard to express your needs and express your boundaries when your fear of losing connection is so big. Yeah. Right. Like, like I'm terrified that if I say this thing, if I make this request that I will lose this connection, that like this known connection, I know how it is. It's good enough. It's fine. And if I ask for this thing that will make it better, but I might not get that thing then it might, then the, the result might be worse. And that's like the big fear around like protecting ourselves, I think. Yeah. I love that you tied in with connection. I think that is such a core human need and it ties in with sort of, excuse me, the other topic that I know we wanted to bring up as well, which is why do we do that? Like mm-hmm. why, why does it happen that we did get disconnected from our boundaries? Why does it happen that we ignore those signals from our body that we stay with what's oh good enough or it's known even if it's not exactly what we want yeah samuel says yes fear of lack of connection is so it i'm gonna um i'm gonna have you hold on just a second it just got really really hot in here i have to turn on a fan go for it that's already better (laughs) add a little dynamic movement to your yeah too it looks yeah (laughs) <laughs> did it on purpose. Let, let, let my hair down and let it flow. No, it's too hot for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So why do you think people do that? Um, in, in my experience, people do that often from some of their most core relationships as a result of the patterns they learned, either with their family of origin, or it could even have been with some really um, cornerstone relationships that they maybe had when they were young, maybe as teenagers. So I have worked with clients who didn't have any significant issues with their family, but maybe their first relationship was really toxic. And so the patterns got imprinted from that. And I think, you know, like we've been, like we've been saying, and even in the chat here, we learned that in order to get connection, in order to get love, that we can't have the boundaries that are natural and desired by us in that time. So even as children, right, this can show up as a no that you have as a child. It can show up as your desires in the household. It can show up as, you know, age-appropriate agency, that sort of thing, appropriate levels of privacy, all those, all those ways that children develop in a core family unit, if the boundaries aren't respected, or even if it's not an assertion of boundaries, even if it's an an expression of self, like Mm -hmm. who I am in this family isn't accepted. If I am who I am, I don't belong. And that could be anything, could be any, any form of expression. And so we learn that in order to get love, in order to get connection, we need to change who we are. And as humans, it's such a core need to have connection. We will subsume our own needs in order to get that connection. And then that becomes a neural pathway that becomes a nervous system pattern 
And it just replicates in every relationship subconsciously. It's like we're not even aware of another possibility sometimes. We're not even aware of what the appropriate boundary for us might be because it's happening happening at that subconscious nervous system level. And until we learn about ourselves, until we learn a new way, until we learn like somatic tools to identify ugh, that gut feeling that I just felt when I said yes, oh, that means I really meant no. Mm-hmm. To learn that. And then we have to learn that it's okay, that it's safe to say no instead of yes. Uh, and that that can take quite a bit of work to unwind. So I think we kind of hit the nail on the head. It's to get connection. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can hear this is a tender area for you. I think it is for a lot of us. So just really witnessing you and um, honoring what's coming up for you. I think all of us have that um, lived experience of the gut feeling that we ignore. And then we're on the other side going, oh, I knew it, but I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Sarah says fear of losing the good enough connection when asking for what we really need. Yeah. I can't be myself because if I'm myself, people won't love me. So I'll just stick with what's good enough. This known thing is so much, feels so much safer than the unknown that's on the other side of me expressing my needs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or, or, or saying no. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Alicia here. You know, the voice you've been tuning into episode after episode. Today, I'm popping in with an invitation that's really close to my heart. Behind the scenes, I've been crafting something special just for you, my dedicated listeners. If there's a voice inside you that's seeking guidance on navigating the realms of relationships and non-monogamy, um, wanting to like boost your confidence and find that unwavering sense of security, or you're struggling to manage the tricky waters of jealousy, I'm here to offer my support. I've cleared my schedule to open up 50 slots this month for free one-on-one clarity chats directly with me. So this is your opportunity to dive deep into those pressing questions and come out on the other side with newfound clarity and direction. The availability on this is super limited and these spots are going to fill up really fast. So don't miss your chance to connect with me. Head over to my website, aliciapayne.com right now. Go secure your spot because together we can uncover a path to a more joyful, fulfilling, and easy non-monogamous journey. Talk to you soon. And what's, I think what's so um, kind of the bright side of this, right? It is a tender topic. And the, the good news is that even if, even if, there is not some massive change, not some like massive breakdown, a massive new relationship. We can have a relationship or relationships that we're building and learning to have boundaries and state our needs in those existing relationships actually makes them so much safer Mm -hmm. and so much more secure and gives them the ability to, to deepen but what it requires first from us is that willingness to be vulnerable like with ourselves, 
like really look at ourselves and really do that inner work of knowing that we deserve to have needs. We deserve to have boundaries that we deserve to have a secure relationship. Um, and it doesn't have to mean cat catastrophe. Like a lot of that, I've, I've seen a lot of times when we catastrophize, we go straight there. It is kind of a scared inner child part, a young part of us um, that maybe feels like their whole world is falling apart. Uh, when in reality, like we're adults now and we can handle a lot of things and our world might not fall apart. Yeah, 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 totally. <gasps> so much yeah. good stuff. Mm-hmm. What do you think, what do you think, I'm curious, what would you say is a good starting place to start to recognize like where the edges of your boundaries are? Mm, that's a really beautiful question. It's to recognize where the edges of your boundaries are. Um, what's coming up for me is the places where you're, where you feel confused. Uh-huh. So the framework that I work with my clients on is there, there are four stages, but the first three are interwoven. The first three is I, the first one is identifying needs mobilizing to get them met, which we've talked about. The second is boundaries and knowing what to let in, what to keep out, what to move towards, what to move away from. And the third is your intuition and wisdom, which if that's not online, you would feel confusion. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's important, those, all those three interweave. And again, because I work with people who've been often in relationships that there was a lot of manipulation and coercion, there's a lot of confusion. So we work with this a lot. Um, but to me, that's a really good indicator that if there's an area, it's specifically in relationship with another person where you are like, I feel confused about this. And is it okay for what I'm feeling? Is it okay what they're doing? Is it okay? Is it, I don't know. I don't know how to navigate this. What's right, what's wrong. As that comes up, um, that is often a really fruitful place to look and get curious about what might need to shift there in the realm of your boundaries, because often that will make it super clear. So, um, I'll give an example that might be useful. Um, that's, it's a non-romantic example, but it's what's coming up for me. Um, the, so there are four boundary skills that I'll teach and I'm doing a, a masterclass next week where I'll dive into these skills more deeply and we'll do some embodiment work around it. So we think boundaries is just yes and no, right? But there's actually four skills. There's letting things in, there's keeping things out, there's moving towards something and there's moving away from something um, or hanging back from something. And I found that often that hanging back skill is the one that people need to work on. And it, it means knowing what's not for you or knowing what places are not safe or nourishing to invest your emotional time and energy. Yeah. So my example would be, and again, it's, pretty, it's not a romantic, but it's with my partner's parents. 
um, where like, I would really love for them to, to like, like me and be like, oh, you're so amazing and wonderful. And we can't just love that you're in our family. Um, but they were raised evangelical Christian. They think I'm weird. They don't understand. They are not overtly harmful, but I, there was a part of me that kept hoping and seeking validation from them. And I realized, you know what, like, I'm like, should I go to this event? Should I not go to this event? Like, I feel kind of like snubbed because it's Mother's Day and they didn't acknowledge that I'm a mother too. And what should I do? And like, I was kind of carrying around a bunch of resentment and like, am I being a bitch? Or like, are they being unfair? And I realized the issue was that, again, I was investing emotional energy, wanting validation someplace or like a parental style connection someplace that it wasn't going to be available to me. And I need to hang back, some different boundaries, but hang back, divest my energy from that, from that place. Um, and then it was really clear. It was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go to that event. So I'm not going to go, you know, it's not emotional. I'm not pissed. Um, my energy, I get my energy back for me. I'm not wasting it. Um, and I think that really applies to, you know, a lot of the work I do with clients and in my own life as well, even with like past relationships, because I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of clients and people who are in a co-parenting situation with a toxic ex. And we can spend a lot of time spinning our wheels, wondering what are they doing? What are they going to do? I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. And that's again, another example where, what should I do? If I do this, he might try this. If I do that, they might do this. And what's going to happen and legal implications. And it's this deep rabbit hole and there's confusion. And that, again, I've seen like a remedy to that is to say, well, is there, am I investing too much? Do I need to hang back in some way? So I think that's a real, also a really great example of how boundaries are for us, right? I'm not changing someone else. I'm not changing this person. I'm not changing that person. It's, it's an internal boundary that I'm going to release expectation, attention, thoughts, energy from that person. Yeah. I, I've actually, I've seen that a lot with clients. Um, a really good like polyamory example is mm -hmm. um, really wanting uh, our metamors to like us, like our partner's partner. Yeah. Like just really like, why doesn't your partner like me? Or why aren't we spending, why aren't we spending all of our time together? And, and, yeah. and even if like, it's not actually the thing you want, but it's the thing that you think you should want. And then you're putting all of this effort into a thing that like, doesn't feed you. I yeah, see that absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. And I'm curious if you, from anyone who you've worked with or what you've seen, if when you dig underneath that, cause I would imagine right underneath that, like, well, I should do this. Is there, I'm just curious what's going on if you really go deeper into that. Yeah, I think, I think it varies obviously, but there's a lot of like one, this need to be liked. Right. And, and also like, there's just, I think a lot of, a lot of social stories around what relationships look like. Right. And from a, like kind of from a cultural perspective, what, what is more socially acceptable. And so I think for some people, the idea that like, we're all hanging out, we're all spending time together, like a bunch of friends feels like a more socially acceptable thing than 
um, someone having multiple partners that don't spend any time together because that feels more um, outside world looking in like there's something fishy going on there. And I think it also is a, there's some control there as well, right? Because if I don't know what you're doing with other people, I don't have any control over it, which feels unsafe. Yeah. 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 I think that's really wise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Rebecca says that for me was trying to control safety and having to let go of that to balance their mental health. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such, thank you for giving that example because it really goes to the core of what happens when you turn that attention back to yourself and you work on your own boundaries, whether again, that might be divesting your emotional energy from hanging back more from something that's not for you, that's not where your energy should go. Right? When we do that boundary work, that is what creates the safety. And so we're trying to control, control, control to create safety, to create security. I think safety and security are different. I've been using both, but just saying, I think those are different. And, um, but they're both really important, right? So we're trying to create it in this control way, but what really needs to happen is clarity around ourselves. And then we get the deeper need, the safety. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, that's exactly it. And I think some of it is, uh, like experimentation, right? Like like you're, you're feeling around, you're trying to see like what, what works and what doesn't work because we actually, most of us aren't given a lot of opportunity to do that when we're growing up, we're told this is how you're going to behave. This is how you're going to, uh, show up. Don't do this, do, do that. And we actually aren't given, most of us aren't given a lot of freedom to explore and experiment with what yes feels like, what no feels like, what, feels good in our body and what we want versus what we're expected what, or what's expected of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of having permission to have this space creating, because that's another thing boundaries to do as well, right? Is create a container. Yeah. How's this landing with all of you? Is this something that you felt that you've experienced and that you've either done or that you've been on the receiving end of? And I see we have some more comments too. Samuel saying, so good. I think these are regular human things that we all struggle with in all aspects of life, but are so valid in finding what we actually want instead of what's expected of us. Yeah. Yeah. And again, working with, as I do with a lot of people who are in relationship breakdown, um, really unlearning patterns of codependency that they learned as a child and again, just got replicated into their relationships it's sort of like if we didn't, if we didn't figure it out to start with and we didn't figure it out in the relationship, when it breaks down, like, then we kind of have to figure it out at that stage. We don't have to, right? But it's an invitation at every stage to like, okay, it's going to keep coming up. It's going to keep coming up. It's going to keep coming up until we make the changes, right? So there's that saying, it's like nothing changes if nothing changes. Yeah, I think that that is one of the gifts of um, moving outside of of the traditional monogamous relationship is it's so easy in a long-term relationship to just get along to get along, right? Uh, you just You just do the things and you actually aren't, okay, I won't say you aren't, but um, 
in non-monogamy, we are much more rapidly confronted with these opportunities for change and these opportunities for growth and um, needing to actually learn more about ourselves and learn about our boundaries and learn about our needs um, because those things are constantly changing and shifting. It's, you, you aren't, you aren't just, um, nothing, nothing stagnant. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's like, instead of just getting a lesson, you know, at one, the pace of like one person's speed, yeah. I think it's like not even a geometric right? It's not like times two, it's probably like exponential, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's like squared, <laughs> not times <laughs> in dealing, in dealing with that um, as well. And again, with the clients I've worked with who've been in poly relationships, so like exiting multiple narcissistic relationships, mm. um, it's like exponential lessons. And of course, in my view, you know, um, those are always invitations to growth into learning and not to bypass ever, ever what has happened or traumas that we carry or anything like that. But when we're ready and when we've digested those, those become just massive fields of learning. And yeah, I think y'all are on the accelerated track. (laughs) It's so real. (laughs) Yeah. Exponential. Sarah agrees. Totally exponential. Yeah. And Rebecca, I, I love your comment that you've been setting boundaries and seeing the differences it makes. It's wonderful. I'd love to hear more about what those differences are. If you can put in the comments so you could unmute up to you. Maybe if you feel like sharing, I'd love to hear that. Yes, accelerated tracker. <laughs> I had another question for you, but I lost it. It'll come back in the middle of another sentence, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> what was, there was another thing we were going to talk about. What was it? It was we kind of talked about it uh, around uh, building safety and security. Yeah. Do you have anything to add with that? Maybe particularly like with polydynamics, any other examples you want to give? For safety and security? Okay. Uh, (laughs) No, none, none at all. (laughs) Or too many. Um, (laughs) I, I think that there's this, So there's a couple of things that happen that are coming to mind for me is, so there's this thing where we try to control, right? Like we, we try to control what's happening. We try to control. So here, okay, here's, here's an example. Sorry. I'm all over the place. Don't mind me. I just had caffeine. Um, (laughs) We try to control like the flow of information. We want to know for many of us, for me, I'll speak for myself. I always wanted to know everything that was happening. Because then I felt like if I know all of the pieces, if I know how my partner is interacting with his other partners, if I know like what their dynamics are, if I know kind of what they talk about, if I know if they're saying like more loving things than they say to me, right? Like then I could have, I have this like false sense of security. Like even if, if I know, even if it's stuff I don't like, then I, I can, can kind of control how I'm going to react and I control how I can control how vulnerable I'm going to become. I can control how much I'm going to get hurt when the reality was in the, speaking from my own experience early in, in my experience of, of being non-monogamous, I wanted to know, I would just wanted to know everything that my partner was doing, everything he was saying, all of his conversations, if they were sharing pictures, I wanted to know everything. And every single time I heard a thing, it was like a punch to my gut. 
Like, ugh, I actually really don't like that. That actually doesn't feel good. And I thought, but I feel better knowing because the unknown, the mystery felt way scarier because my brain was making up all sorts of stories. I had squirrels running through my brain telling me all of these terrible things that were going to happen and how I wasn't as much fun as this other person. And I wasn't as lovable as this other person. And I wasn't as sexy. And I wasn't as, I wasn't enough. I wasn't enough. I wasn't enough. And also I'm too much. I'm too much. I'm too much. And so it was like, if I, I thought if I knew everything, I could manage all of that. And as I became, I started using the tools and started to become more secure in myself, more confident in myself, more really embodied the idea that like, I couldn't, there was no comparison. Because, because we're all unique, right? There, there was like, this is a completely other person that like, and their relationship is unique and actually doesn't have anything to do with me. And so then I was able to actually start like figuring out what my needs were, what my boundaries were and express them. And, and in that, in that regard, it was more like, okay, actually I don't want to see your text messages. I don't want to see the pictures that you sent each other. I, I don't. Like I want, I would rather have a umbrella broad scope of the story so that I, I know, like, I want to know what's happening with you. I want to, I want to celebrate with you the things that you're enjoying, but like, I don't want the details because actually every time I was getting this like gut punch, which was my body going, you don't actually want that. This isn't feeding you. This is exhausting. And like a constant emotional roller coaster and all of my energy and all of my thoughts were going into this thing that had nothing to do with me. This other relationship that was outside of me that like actually didn't even impact me except for when I was trying to put myself in it. Putting up boundaries actually left me feeling much more safe and gave me a lot of my own energy back to pursue the things that feed me and to feel better in my relationship, in my relationships. Yeah, that's such a beautiful example. For sharing that. Yeah. It's like, again, I think about with the boundary skills, like you were moving into something that wasn't yours to move into. Right. And like, that was the, the directionality that was not feeding you. And so stepping away from that, created that clarity, creating that security, trust. And like, what I heard you share too, was just um, like containment within yourself and like a, a resilience hmm. confidence within your, within yourself. Does that sound accurate? Did I hear that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's like, I really, really, so I was so anxious all the time. And I think that this, um, I don't know, uh, loose boundaries probably isn't right. Like, like really, they were basically non-existent. And so I was constantly anxious. And so as I was able to express, you know, here's, here's actually what I need. Here's what I desire. Right. And here's, and here's the places that I am going to stand, stand firm in myself, that anxiety diminished. It was like this leaking energy that was just like creating like a lot of static. Yeah. And to your point of earlier, what you said, when you had asked, like, what is the indication that maybe we need different boundaries? Anxiety is definitely another one mm-hmm. because 
we don't think of it. I mean, a lot of things can cause anxiety. I'm not talking about like clinical anxiety, but the anxiousness in relationships for sure can come up or present itself. And it's anxiety can be a little tricky sometimes. It's like out there and it doesn't feel connected to anything. Um, I've noticed that sometimes it can be hard to, to pinpoint to what it is. But that's another thing that is often remedied by boundaries because usually we're anxious because we don't know something or because something is unpredictable, we feel unstable and we want to control. And as we, we, as we've discussed, <laughs> control is not the remedy to anxiety, boundaries, security, safety, right. Is the remedy to anxiety. I'm, I'm curious earlier, you had said that you, um, that safety and security aren't the same thing. And I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. curious what your, cause I, I agree, <laughs> but I'm curious, <laughs> I'm curious what your, um, how you would differentiate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's a great topic. And I'd love to hear, I want to hear your take as well. Yeah. I've not put this to words before exactly like this. So we'll give it a stab, but to me, Security, when I think when I hear, say the word security, I mean secure attachment. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean a basis of trust, right? a basis of mutual understanding, a basis of not, I don't mean predictability in a rigid way, but I mean in terms of a committed way, in terms of a um, consistency. Consistency. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Right. Yeah. It's not going to change suddenly. Uh, and again, this is a big thing that I work often work on with my clients, because if you've had experience with narcissistic relationships, the unpredictability and chaos uh, can really be activating to the nervous system. So when I say security, I mean secure attachment, and that is a nervous system long game that is deeply rooted in identifying our needs, mobilizing to get them met and having them be met. Like to me, that would be the foundation. I know my needs. I can mobilize to get them met and I, they are met. It's that cycle. And we have to repeat that sometimes many, many times in many ways with many partners or circumstances, or even like you can do secure attachment work in nature, right? Just saying, you know, to build the nervous system baseline for the social engagement system of consistency and predictability. Safety, and then safety to me is more of a, it's not as a foundational thing. It's more created in the moment in every situation. And the foundation of it for me, and this is not an official definition or anything, but it's the trust to have to know that there can be repair, mm-hmm. right? So not that there's not going to be rupture, not that there's not going to be disagreement, not that there's not going to be you know, difficulty, but that moment to moment, situation to situation, that I can trust the other person, right? So ever like programs have safety, friends have safety, space holders who were with for one one, one hour have safe, like safety, right? It's not like a secure attachment foundational thing. It's like, oh, if there is something that goes sideways here, or if there is something here that creates a rupture, it's knowing that that 
can be repaired and that the other person is there for it. So that would be to me kind of a fundamental piece of safety in addition to like respect, consideration for who somebody is. That's a little bit more intangible. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's so good. <laughs> that is so good. I, um, yeah, I've, I have always thought, I've always thought of security also as, um, secure attachment and, and really like secure attachment to the self. Yeah. And then, and then the, the other, the safety piece of that in, in my mind is if I'm securely attached to myself, I can keep myself safe regardless of yes. what's happening externally. Yes. Like I can do, I can create, do the actions of, of making myself safe because I'm an adult who can remove myself from a situation and can, I can do things. I'm not a child depending on other people to keep me safe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I trust myself, right. Yeah. Is the foundational piece, right. And if, if it includes developmental traumas or things, right. That, that come up from childhood, we are supposed to be modeled that first from our caregivers. And if we didn't get it, then we have to go back and do that repair work ourselves with a coach or a space holder or a secure relationship of some kind, right? But it that is like the key piece to growing up and to creating safety and security is like, I trust myself. And ultimately, you know, I have the responsibility to create, to create that, mm-hmm. create that safety. Mm-hmm. I wanted to pop back because, yeah, David had said that you feel like you have way fewer boundaries than your partner. And I was curious about this because I, I would offer a reframe, perhaps, and I would want to know how this lands with you, that the idea of fewer boundaries sounds more like an agreement or a rule agreement situation, like Alicia was explaining at the start, and that when it comes to boundaries, everybody has boundaries, but they're different they're different, right? So everybody has those four pieces. What do you let in? What do you not let in? What do you yourself invest in? What do you yourself hang back from? But it's going gonna, it's gonna to look different for everybody, right? But it's the same directions. Is something coming towards you or not coming towards you? Are you moving towards something or not moving towards something? But they might be different layers of flexibility, permeability, that sort of thing. So just curious, I wanted to offer that reframe and wondered how that landed or Felicia, if you had anything you wanted to add. Yeah, I would, I would also add that my guess is that you are, that your boundaries are in different areas. You're Mm. bumping up against your partner's boundaries more often because of circumstances. It's circumstantial, right? Whatever, you know, whatever the situations are. And that you you have just as many boundaries, but maybe around other things that actually the circumstances aren't putting you guys in a situation where you're you're coming up against them. Yeah, that's really yeah. I I always say it's like I say this about jealousy, but anytime somebody says like, oh, I don't experience that, and I think you would never know. Like if you were brought up in a building where the lights were always on, if you had never been in the dark, you wouldn't know if you were scared of the dark. You would not have an experience of I'm scared of the dark because I've never been in it. And so when people say like, I'm not jealous, I say, well, you just, you've never been put in a situation that made you feel jealous or my boundaries are never challenged. Well, you just haven't been in a situation where, where you've had to bump up against them. They're there though. (laughs) (laughs) We all have them. Yeah. 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 We all have a central nervous system, so (laughs) we all have them. (laughs) Well put. 
Yeah, I love David's next comment here too. I wondered if you had anything to share about that. Um, he says, I tend to have very secure attachment, but I find my partners do not so much. My primary partner, it seems very secure when I have no other partners. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? Um, um, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, it's one of those things that, that keeps coming up over and over again when I have a partner that I have a um, there's some jealousy issues to work through and it's not good or bad it just is you know but um, I don't tend to have I don't tend to worry about you know what she's doing or where that our our relationship is going you know I feel pretty confident in that but I don't feel like if I have another partner that she does and I, and I know that there's some issues around past relationships and and abandonment and I get that and all I can do is you know work through that with her with her boundaries that's one of those boundaries that I just I don't have as tight a control over it doesn't bother that doesn't bother me so much so I don't know it kind of just I said earlier something about it starts that that trust clock all over again and then sometimes it never really gets to the point where there's any any resolution and then the relationship ends and then oh, all of a sudden everything's fine again so i don't know i'm trying to navigate that part she's actually right here hi hi <laughs> she's working on her computer so she said Block her out. <laughs> and that really is, I think that that is a big difference in, in attachment style and past relationship experiences and personal, uh, personal security. Right. Um, and is really, really multifaceted. <laughs> I wondered if anyone else had other questions. I don't know how much time we have exactly, um, but does that seem okay to you? We should uh, open the floor a bit to see if there are questions. Yeah, if there's any other questions, absolutely. We've got a couple more minutes. We had a comment in the um, Facebook group of um, definitely feeling seen, the safety of the dependable, imperfect, or even painful versus the risk of its loss and potentially in the future realizing that the new boundary wasn't that important. Yeah, like you put the boundary and it caused the loss of the relationship. And then later that you might regret, like, oh, that actually wasn't important. I wish I hadn't. Is that right? Yeah. Is that what I think mean? I think that's what that's what that sounds like to me. And which I think is a really good distinction where um there's a big difference between needs, you know, boundaries, needs, and desires. And we often want a thing and we label it as a boundary or a need, but it's a want, right? Like this is a thing I'd really like, but it's not actually a need or it's not actually a, a like a non-negotiable. Yeah. I kind of think of boundaries as holding in the needs, like containing the needs. I have all my needs that are like very, very core in my boundaries create the 
the basket in which I hold those needs. And I think that also goes back to that self-trust issue because I think that strengthening that muscle, right? That, and that's the wise part, the intuitive part. That's the part that like we talked about is really tied to a sense of like unshakable security is I trust myself to know, right? I trust my decision. I trust, you know, what feels true to me. I trust whatever that is, right? And working on that. Um, and that's also where it's really helpful to work with a space holder um, also because it, having that reflection can be very useful for sure. And as we're, the, the reason why, in my view, the nervous system work is so transformational is because we're talking about sensing a lot of internal things, right? Like we've been talking about boundaries. We've said gut feeling, this clenching in my gut, this, um, we haven't talked about other body parts, but sometimes it's more like a throat, like clenching or like a gripping. There's a lot of like me closing down in the heart space and like a tightness. There's a lot of internal body signals that we are talking about that we need the ability to interpret. And that's actually called neuroception. And we have to learn neuroception, right? So it's built as children when we have caregivers who model to us safety versus threat. And we have a community of people who model to us and, and reinforce, right? So it's not just one person. It's like reinforcing, oh yes, this is safe. This is threatening. Like that's the foundation of neuroception or the ability to read those internal gut signals. And it honestly can be a little wonky if we've carried developmental trauma in any way or complex trauma in any way. And we um, sometimes need people and space holders who can help us interpret those signals and who can give us tools to learn to reflect and make sense of those because it's like a language you never learned because it wasn't uh, appropriately taught to us. I love that. I always, I tell people that it's like, it's like having someone show you the map, right? It's, it's like, I want to go North and my partner wants to go South. And all we can see is that the road goes North and South and we can't see anything else. When you have someone from the outside come in and like unfold the map and show you that you can like go north a little bit and then west and then north a little more and then maybe east and south and like you can explore and um and see more of the terrain instead of just these two things that are opposing that are the only options possible. That's a really great analogy. We had another question. Being in a one-sided non-monogamous marriage, she plays I stay by choice. What would you recommend in regards to help keeping the intimacy between us going and not be too divided with her playmates? Not that we have a current issue, just more of a surety. I would say the same thing that I would say to anybody in a long-term relationship. Like, like take, a, take out the part about the, the other playmates, other partners, and like, what are the things that you would do to keep the intimacy between you going? That's, that's where I, that's where I go with that. <laughs> Any thoughts, Elizabeth? Oh yeah. Um, if you mean intimacy, right. I think intimacy, I think two types of intimacy, like emotional intimacy, sexual intimacy. So knowing with the two of you, what helps you feel connected. So you might have a set of things that help you feel connected. So emotional intimacy might be like 
you know, activities that you do together that you both enjoy. I love for building emotional intimacy, like lying in bed and talking or reading out loud to each other with a clear expectation of like, this isn't for sex. This is for intimate emotional connection. I think that's really fun to play with that container as like an emotionally safe container. Emotional intimacy can be even talking about like dreaming and visioning together. I think that's a really beautiful practice of like, this really exciting to you. Like, what are you really visioning into and dreaming into? Or like, what questions have you been living into in your life? Like, what is something that you've really been thinking about and, you know, kind of getting into the mind of the other person, but in that realm of like, what are you moving towards? Like, what are your dreams? It's like a really heart space thing. And for intimacy connection, for sexual connection, there's so many great things and so many great tools out there, right? But like exploring new things, like do like subscription boxes to add some novelty. You know, I'm a big fan of like environmental things where it's like, uh, where we like dare each other to do things. <laughs> where just give me whatever we take turns daring. And usually we always end up running around outside naked in the suburban neighborhood. <laughs> Often something that creates some novelty um, as well. So and I love tantric practices as well, like yes. work, uh, emotional connection. Um, I love playing. I love, um, you can kind of set a timer, like five, eight, 10 minutes and pretend to be animals and wrestle each other. Yeah. That's a really fun one. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. What about you? What ideas do you have? <laughs> that's so fun. Um, we have similar <laughs> ideas, although, although the daring each other, that's a really good one. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. I, I often go to, uh, especially when in a situation where, you know, maybe one person has play partners and it's really the, the, the openness of the relationship is very sexual. I often go to, yeah, like, like spiritual and soulful eroticism, Tantra, uh, anything that, that you're coming together in, um, a very intentional way in a way that you probably aren't with other play partners because that's a more of a, like a fun, uh, fun, sexy thing. And so coming together, creating a lot of emotional intimacy and, um, and, and really like uh, worshiping each other's bodies. I love some body worship. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. And the amazing thing about sex too, is that especially in, in, you know, established relationships, it can include that emotional component as well right? Where like the body worship brings in the emotional depth. I love the wrestling as animals example and the daring example, because we end up laughing, yeah. right? We end up expressing like play aggression. Um, and that's an emotion that engages like the limbic system of the brain that engages like deeper other levels of the brain. And it often feels like emotionally intimate as well. I love that. Um, Okay, Elizabeth, before we wrap up, I can, I, how can people sign up for your masterclass you have coming up? Yeah, so I am teaching a masterclass on, it's a week from Friday. Um, it's all about boundaries and specifically in setting boundaries with difficult people in your life. So uh, again, I specialize in working with people who have ex-partners, ex-lovers who they're maybe co-parenting with that are really disrupting their sense of peace in their life today, like, you know, 
they, they have kids that they want to parent in their own way. They have new on, they have new partners and this person is constantly giving them grief. They may be dragging them into legal battles. There may be, again, with the example that I said, um, they are, um, drawing a lot of their energy, right? And we don't want that because we want your energy going to the endeavors that you really care about and the partners that you have now and the things that you want to build in your life now. And you can see like this ties in really well with the boundaries that we've discussion we've already had today. And so I'm, I'm giving this class on teaching you more in depth about some of these tools. And we're going to also be doing some embodiment practices so that you can do some of that nervous system work just on this webinar itself and get some of that energy back for you. So, you know, I've seen this be really transformative for, for a lot of my clients. So for example, uh, my client, Michelle, when we worked together uh, one-on-one over a period of about four months, and she had a couple partners who she really needed to um, set some boundaries with and divest her emotional energy from. She had a couple kids. And by the end of our time together, she had you know, a new house for herself to move into. And she had revamped a business that she had like let die because all of her energy was going to navigating these two like narcissistic partners who kept giving her UTIs because her body was like, no, 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 not safe. Um, yep. <laughs> and she was able to like get her health back, get her energy back. So something that I'm, I'm super passionate about. And I have a special gift for, what if I'm the difficult person? Yeah, well, I mean, this is, if you at my, my indicator is always, if you're asking yourself, if you're the difficult person, you're not the difficult person. Because people who are difficult, never truly difficult, never ask themselves if they're difficult. <laughs> they can't see that, <laughs> very myopic. So congratulations, you're off the hook. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I have a special gift for all of you as well. The masterclass is only $25, but I, I'm going to give you all a coupon code to get half off. So it would be $12.50 if you wanted to join. I'm going to drop the link to the class here so you can check out more details. You can also, it's on my website. So you can also follow me over to Instagram if you are, if you want to follow for more tips to navigate toxic relationship dynamics and free yourself from those trauma patterns for good, because they really do come up in relationships. And I think especially sometimes in, when we're trying to break out of conditioning, societal conditioning, because narcissistic abuse trauma is very specific and sticky sometimes, yeah. it can really undermine your sense of safety, really undermine your sense of self-trust. And yeah, so we got we to gotta rebuild that a bit. So that's the masterclass. And I have when you go to click the link to sign up, it'll take you to a checkout page. And I can't just give you a code to enter, unfortunately, with the way my website works. So when you go to check out, um, you'll want to use this code. And I'll put this in Facebook as well. So the first, the first link there is where you can read about the details of the class when you're reading with time. There is a replay, what we'll get into a bit. But then when you go to check out, use that code there. And again, I'll put it in Facebook and that'll, that'll automatically take 50% off that you all can join us. So I'd love to have you there. Um, we'll deepen into some of this work for you in a way that's like really tangible, immediately in- implementable so you can get your energy back for yourself. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. I really, yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for 
yeah, having me. It's lovely to be in here. I love the work you do. Thank you for being in the world and offering such beautiful, important space holding to people who need a guide down a road that's like, you know, you're like bumpy. Anyway, so bumpy. We're like paving roads over here. You're paving roads. You got your hard hats on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. really important. So I'm so yeah. glad that you're you. here in the world. Thank you for having me here. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. It would mean the world to me personally and would help us keep this little podcast going if you would subscribe, leave a review, or share this episode with your friends. For more personalized support with your own relationships, we can work together on a one-to-one basis. Just visit my website at aliciapain.com and schedule a free call to chat about life, the universe, and your relationships. Bye.